She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. If you go and you end up bringing the coronavirus, like, just killed grandma, you know? But, That's such a hard thing to, to try to grasp. Yeah. As a, I, I don't think I was very popular for pointing that out to mom. For anyone who's ever taken psychedelics, the dissolution of your ego, of any structure of what you understand and any meaning, that is what we're talking about. Yeah, or if you've gone to a rave, it's it's two o'clock at a rave. Oh God! In the morning. Oh Jesus! Chaos. Yeah. Chaos. 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 Just absolute chaos. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe the solution: we get a farm, have animals, you know, raise our own animals and harvest them, and do our have three or four freezers and like. Be self-reliant because the system's gonna collapse, and then soon there will be no toilet paper and no food. You know, like that kind of. And my answer always to this is, uh, well, you better get a bunch of guns too. Beautiful people, <laughs> and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. I don't know what that was, but I think to uh, extreme situations, I had to do a weird intro today. So sorry if you were expecting the the, the old school one. I'm trying something new today. These are periods of change. <laughs> Adjust to them. Okay. <laughs> Hi, we're so happy you're here. Woo! What are we talking about today on this episode? Well, I think we're basically talking about periods of change and how we're trying to adjust to them. (laughs) Um, We're talking about the coronavirus and the way it's turning our world upside down. Yes. And some of, you know, this has been a therapeutic episode for us, so we hope it may also be for you, but just kind of sharing how we're dealing, which is, this is hard, and um, talking about some of the ways we're trying to make meaning out of what's happening, basically. Yeah, and it's really been, uh, I feel my body's a lot more relaxed after re- recording this episode. So I hope that you will benefit and enjoy just hearing the two of us ramble a bit on it and feeling like we're all navigating this together. That's yeah. a reminder. And I think we end up kind of in places of, well, how do you think about and navigate change in general? Mm-hmm. Any change, yeah. any any form of chaos. So that's that's where we're headed. Yeah, so stick around and let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Alistair. Good morning, Julie Roxanne. <sighs> Hi, everyone. Hey, wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> what is the date today, Alistair? Uh, t- today is the 17th of March. Uh, so f- today we're going to talk a little bit about coronavirus and and kind of some of our experiences with it because it's hard to talk about anything else and I feel like it'll be a little bit of helpful therapy for us to uh kind of share where where we're at because this is moving so fast yeah we have to say the dates because like by the time this comes out this this is going to come out in a week and we just don't know what's going to happen in a week yeah but at at this point Guatemala has closed its borders and we're 
getting close to like a full quarantine of yeah. the country, like non-essential businesses shut down, gatherings are prohibited. Uh, and it seems like that's happening in a lot of places of the world. Your home country is on quarantine. Yeah, they, uh, they are. I mean, I don't know if the word quarantine was ever pronounced, but uh, they're, they're definitely like self-confined and, and you have to stay indoors and you actually have to have like a paper proving why you're outside. Um, and I think the total infected cases that we know of is around 180,000 worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. As we record this, so that will timestamp this, yeah. Uh, since it will be coming out in a week from now, yeah. And so it's the Tuesday after, you know, like I feel like last week was just a blast. And I think it's funny because in my communities, in my circles, I feel like a lot of people were like, nah, whatever, whatever, coronavirus, all right, all right, all right. And then, like, it took a turn around, like, uh, Thursday or Friday. That's when the French president spoke and said, like, okay, guys, this is not looking good. And then the, the American president declared the state of emergency. And so, like, everything kind of shifted at the end of last week. So we're only a few days later, and yet it feels like things are moving so fast. It's mind-boggling. It's really hard to keep up. Yeah, and in one way, it's kind of encouraging. I, I think it's one of those situations where you want everyone to kind of respond drastically, yeah. but responding drastically makes it feel even scarier. Yes. Um, so it's kind of a catch-22 in that way, but I, I think it's actually, I, I'm happy Guatemala has reacted pretty quickly. Me too. Um, and it's actually kind of warranted an interesting question for us about being in Guatemala because, well, this is a problem we knew we had underneath it, mm -hmm. which is, okay, like if things got worse, where would we go? Yeah, it just, if things got worse, any kind of worse, right? Like I think it, uh, this is really highlighting one of the... I'm not going to say the flaws in our in our life plan or whatever, but just the one of the weaknesses or the ah oh, okay ah uh, okay is we really don't have a country to go back to that is like ours and well, we were like I do and you do, but, but we not don't. together. Yeah. Which like <laughs> so if we were to go to the U.S., there's a couple of issues with that. Which first and foremost is your visa. Uh -huh. uh, you could only stay for three months if yeah. they'd even let you in at this point, and. Uh, the other problem, though, is healthcare yeah. uh, for both of us. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't be insured healthcare-wise. I'm actually insured most of the rest of the world, but not the U.S., uh. which is a kind of a an issue for travelers. Getting insured in the U.S. can be very difficult. Yeah. And then I have family in the U.K. My mom's actually flew out to be with my grandma because my grandma had a stroke right before before this, this happened. Yeah. And actually, it was kind of a weird situation because the coronavirus was escalating and um, my mom was deciding whether or not she should go fly to take care of my grandma, who mm. we weren't sure how well she was going to recover. And she seems to be recovering, but yeah. she definitely needed help. And she lives alone in the UK in the village. Yeah. So actually, luckily, it's kind of a scary decision because it's like, okay, well, if you go and you end up bringing the coronavirus, like, you just killed grandma, <laughs> you know? But, That's such a hard thing to, to try to grasp. Yeah. As a, I, I don't think I was very popular for pointing that out to mom. <laughs> I think. But, but fuck. So she went and it turns out that it was very fortunate mm -hmm. because UK is getting close to like, especially for the elderly, mm -hmm. they're basically on lockdown and going to be for a few months. Yeah. And if mom wasn't there, I'm not sure how grandma would handle it. Yeah. So We've got, I've got family in, in the U.S. and I've got some family that's in the U.K. That, that's now kind of stuck there until 
further notice. And then your family's in France. And yeah. France has, hasn't been taking it too seriously, but... France is weird. <laughs> France is weird. I'm trying to, like, get as much news as I can, and it's so interesting because I'll talk to someone on the East Coast on one afternoon and get some feeling of what's going on there. And then I'll talk to someone in France the, the following morning, and then I'll talk to someone on the West Coast that evening. And it's just three different worlds, even though we're all, con like, they're all the same concern, even more so in France, the number of cases proportionally to the population is, like, much higher. And I was just uh, listening to someone the other day, a, a French influencer on Instagram, and she was saying, like, I just saw pictures of the parks in Paris. People are not getting the thing. It's like we close down all the essential businesses. That doesn't mean go out and be in a park with a bunch of other people. Just stay indoors, fuckers. Yeah. You know, like uh, I don't, it, I don't know. People don't understand. I was I, it, by at the time where people in the U.S. were already talking about, okay, we're gonna self-confine. No one has told us we needed to really confine, but we're gonna flatten the curve. We're gonna social oh. distance. In France, they're all out there, just still having their coffee, except they're not doing la bise. Like yeah, that's, well, that's I guess it just depends who you hear it from because yeah. our sister-in-law was working at a winery just the other day and it was packed. Yeah, and yeah. And people were showing up. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not sure, you know. Yeah, I know. It's not as... I was talking to someone yesterday who went to a restaurant in Texas and I was like, what are you doing? And she said, we don't have alcohol in the house. I'm like, oh God, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say here. Yeah, uh, alcohol is a prime <laughs> reason to risk coronavirus. <laughs> I think the reason we're sitting down here, and honestly, this is really casual. We uh, we haven't done as much preparation as we usually do. We have our teas, ginger turmeric, uh, and we're just, I don't know, we just wanted to connect on this topic. We were going to push through. We were going to just, like, continue publishing, like, as if nothing is happening, our, our backlog of episodes. And then we're like, that doesn't feel right. And that brings up, I think, the hard part right now is it's just really hard to focus. Oh, uh, so we're in Guatemala, and I think one thing that's been difficult about being here is that we're pretty isolated, which is good. We're isolated and pretty far away from things. Guatemala at the moment has eight cases, uh, and it had a pretty fast reaction. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, We're just getting information filtered in via the internet and friends and family, and it's made me pretty anxious over here. It's like you kind of, I almost get the sense like we're watching a wave roll in from, yes. from like from the east, you know, yes. and it's just kind of rolling and you're like, oh, it hasn't hit us yet, but it <laughs> seems to be coming and it's yet to be seen if like it, it rolls over Guatemala pretty hard. So one of the good reasons for being here that we really, at this point, I'm not sure anywhere else where our family is makes sense yeah. is... Well, obviously, going to France doesn't make sense because that's near Europe's getting hit really hard. That's, yeah. UK seems to be better. That actually might be our best option if we had to evacuate Guatemala for some reason. But yeah. I think right now staying put is the best idea. But our kind of emergency insurance that would cover us for the pandemic uh, is valid in Guatemala at the at the moment still. Um, but look, for example, it wouldn't be valid in France because it's already. Um, it's already an emergency zone. Yeah. Well, as a French citizen, I would be covered. Yeah, you, you would. Wouldn't. Yeah. So another another kind of concern is where would we be covered? But I think what's a little scary about Guatemala is like uh, you go down to the market here and like how, how, how the whole town gets food yeah. every day. And I mean... 
And when, those people when, don't have any way to stock up, by the way. Like, no, most people not, don't, don't have, have fridge. Food. Yeah, like, yeah. So it is going to continue to... And the market is like person to person. You know, you're squeezing by people yeah. to get to your your favorite fruit stand. Yeah. So, and you also get the sense that, you know, the president's been making a lot of announcements. It's going out automatically to our phones through the yeah. emergency lines. But, you know, you get the sense, you just wonder with a... Uh, not very well educated population how much of an invisible virus is getting through to them yeah um so far we've seen that nothing's really changed here yes although things are developing really fast so that that may change but so we got news this morning or yesterday that like so they're closing a bunch of stuff like non-essential businesses the president and the government is urging people to stay indoors no gatherings no travel that's not you know like no moving around if it's not required and uh and at the end of the message it said like and we all we put this into google translate at the end of the message any person who goes against this will face uh six months to two years in prison like oh they have to enforce it really hard because people might not understand the gravity of of (laughs) what happens if you do go out and propagate the virus because that's also that's the thing is they closed they started closing the border after one case Obviously, by now we know when there's one official case, there's more. There's more at at the same time. There's just have not been tested. So they've reacted really fast. And I'm going to go, I'm going to say it's good. And it also gives you a sense of how scary things could be if the virus hit hard here. Yes, because there's this kind of very village life quality to it. So uh, there's that. And there seems to be. I'm not a great understanding of what a what a virus could do. Yeah. The government understands. Yes. But but general people, not so sure. And and we're in Guatemala. The infrastructure. We don't here, even know where the next hospital is. Yeah. Where the nearest hospital is. We have to look that up today. But I don't I think it's a few hours away from yeah. where we are. And we're not out like we're in a pretty central touristy hub. But we're not in the main in a main city of no, the. Of but it the, doesn't even matter if we were. I feel like yeah. uh, there's not a lot of infrastructure in no. Guatemala. I mean, no one. This is a problem everyone has, right? Not enough beds. But yeah, I think here, yeah, it could be if it were to hit in a place like like you know it's hitting in Europe, it could be really devastating. Yeah, which I, I think the government understands, yeah. which is why it's acted so quickly. And I'll say it's it's kind of interesting because it's only been really in the last twenty four to forty eight hours that I've actually started wondering and being concerned about the virus itself. Before that, I felt like my my party line in my head was we're young, we're healthy. Even if we get it, we're going to be fine. And I don't know why, but I've, I've um, I've, I'm following someone on Instagram whose parents, both parents, have the coronavirus. She's like in her 30s and her parents are like, you know, 60s and 70s. And she treated one of her parents while the other one was in the, the ICU. And uh, and so she's she's an herbalist. She's trained in understanding how disease work in the brain and in the in the body. Sorry. And and she's like putting out things like we really don't know much about this virus. And it's dead like it's very aggressive it changes minute to minute at least in the body of of an elderly man and it's it's kind of hard to not wonder well okay statistics say that as young people we would be fine but what if we're you know that 
that one percent that is not and, and you have an autoimmune disease and it's been really hard for me as the wife of someone who has an autoimmune disease to not start like freaking out a little bit about uh whoa okay well maybe he's more at risk what happens if he gets it and all these things i think there's two things that like are particularly scary and i remember when it really hit me that it, okay because you're kind of watching and you're like ah it's gonna blow there's always like there there's it, it seemed to go in two ways there's one like oh come on everyone don't take the like this yeah. this is gonna blow over yeah. like Come on. Let's go to the winery. Yeah. And then the other side was like extreme paranoia stocking up the toilet paper. And yeah. and it seemed to oscillate, right? Yeah. Like, And I could feel the oscillations in myself going from one side to the other. And But there did seem to be a line of like pragmatic reasonableness where it's like, hey, low chance this is going to be a big deal, but high risk if it is. So we should take precautions. Mm-hmm. And I kind of agree with that. Uh, at this point, obvious, it's obvious that it is a big deal. Yeah. Um, but I was actually, it was when my business partner, Kelly, called me and she shared something. She works in a hospital. So she she's a physical therapist, but I mm-hmm. think now she, it's all hands on deck in the hospital. So she's doing what she can. And I don't know, she said something. And also we run retreats. Mm-hmm. And so we we're starting to think like, okay. And I don't know, she she sent a message and I'm, it was probably the tone of it where yeah. it just like kind of sunk in. I was like, yeah, oh, okay. And then it kind of hit me. And I feel like that was Thursday. We're on Tuesday. Yeah. And I haven't really been able to, it's it's interesting because it's like, I think there's two things. There's like one, okay, this is, a, this is an enemy you can't see, right? Those enemies are always the scariest in the yeah. horror movies, the ones you can't see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And so also there's no way to make, you have to be a little bit paranoid because there's no way to make super, you can't rationalize decisions. Mm-hmm. Like it's either all or nothing because you can't see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like it's a tiger yeah. or something. It's yeah. it's invisible. So you have to, it's kind of extreme. You have to do everything. And, and you always feel like if you're taking any risks that, you know. Yes. So there's that kind of aspect mentally. Yeah. I think that that is difficult for for people and for me, definitely. And then there's the aspect of this is happening so fast and globally we're not prepared for it mm-hmm. that we can't even measure it, yeah. right? Like we're behind the curve uh, as far as information. And so you have information coming from everywhere and you don't know. It's chaos. You just don't know. You can't even like really position yourself yeah. like mentally about what is happening because the information is so you're hearing one thing from from the UK, you know, you're hearing another thing from because it's also hitting places differently, differently. right? Yeah. So it's hard to make sense of it all. And it just puts you in this kind of lostness. Like I, I felt very lost. And I think this is I've noticed two things. Well one uh, like for our retreats, for example, we put marketing on hold. We haven't finished selling a few of the retreats this summer. And so that was the first thing. It's like, okay, we stopped doing that. And now now it's a serious question whether we're going to be able to run the re- the retreats at all, yeah. which is, um, you know, I mean, it's difficult because that's a year's worth of work and something we're really excited about. Yeah. So, And it's also been where a lot of my energy's been. So... It's kind of like having the, and I know this is a feeling a lot of us are feeling right now, but having the rug pulled out um, 
and and I feel I, that's also left me a little directionless. Yeah, like, you've used the word disoriented, and and it, that's pretty accurate for I think how how it's feeling here in our household. It's like just uncertain what we should do. <laughs> you know, what is the step? What and and uh, working for ourselves in this kind of time is very very strange, and it's not. And I think this is the other side of this you know, this, this pandemic, this crisis that, that we're facing in the world is, so there's a fear of the virus itself, but then I feel for me, there's the bigger fear or there's the, the even more insidious anxiety of what does this all mean? The, the stock market is absolutely crashing. Businesses are closing. My, my brothers had to close his restaurant. And for a minute there, he didn't know if that meant he was going to have to put, you know, like, give up and abandon and and have to put the oh I I only have the French way of saying it putting the key under the door that means like you know losing your business yeah. uh and and so yeah he it's so uncertain on so many fronts right now and yeah. I, it, that's the paralysis that it feels like so, what do I put so my energy to can I go outside today can, yes. can I can I, I all, all sorts of plans are dropping we don't know if we're going to go to the US anymore if we'll be allowed in we don't know if we'll be able to do the retreats the party line on the retreats if you're going to one of the retreats is we are doing the retreats until further notice yeah right now it's a wait and see party yeah. but but it's also work-wise right like it's hard to move forward when you don't know what the world looks like and then you have the fact that yeah it's just there's so much unknown right now we're in that kind of stage of chaos and i don't know i i actually i find this very fascinating from a couple different angles but one of them is you know i spend a lot of time thinking about transformation because it's a lot of the work I've done for myself over the last five or six years, that's the journey I'm kind of on. And it's also the work that I facilitate for others through my one-on-one work with people, um, through my financial work with people, through through retreats. Mm-hmm. And it's just a topic I'm absolutely fascinated by. And, you know, there's a model for thinking about transformation. Uh, and, and this comes actually from the archetype of initiation. I don't think it's actually his ideas, but he kind of synthesizes a lot of it. Isn't it from the Rite of Passage book, the Belgian dude, the the original uh, framework? Maybe. Yeah, I think some of it is. Yeah. yeah. But Robert, I think it's Robert Moore yeah. wrote um, The Archetype of Initiation. So he's looking at, okay, what are some of the underlying structures or mechanisms of initiation, which is these important psychological transformations that we facilitate in human beings, mm-hmm. right? Like a different, like a marriage is an initiation, but these are all basically processes of transformation. And one of the premises of this book is that we've lost a lot of these rights, which I, I agree with. I yeah. think we've lost the, the, for most of us, we are not initiated into the important stages of our life or into the world. So for example, like young men, right? That's the, that's the common one is there in, in a lot of Aboriginal tribes and, or a lot of indigenous cultures, and, and if you start looking back, this, seems, this is more and more a pattern. They go through, you know, somewhere around puberty or whatever, because the women are initiated by their bodies, right? They're they're initiated by their their menstrual cycles, mm-hmm. but the men uh, are not. So the men need to be initiated in other ways, and this takes different forms in different cultures. But there, there's a very similar mechanism happening here. But the idea is that. For example, some of the ideas are like, we need to disconnect them from the mother. Mm-hmm. We need to, you need to, how do you make a boy a man, mm-hmm. right? Because 
they need to change psychologies or mentalities almost to operate in the world they're finding themselves in. So it's a readjusting to a new world, right? And so at a very basic level, the stages are there's order, chaos, order, right? (laughs) Old order, chaos, new order. This is how any transformation happens. And there's also another way to look at it is there's the death because you have to, the the old way it has to die. So there's death. Then there's like transformational space, liminal space where you're in between worlds. And then there's integration, which is adapting to this new world and new reality. Yeah. And this is, so Joseph Campbell, if you were to use like the monomyth or the the hero's journey, this would be the top part of the the circle, which is the ordinary world where the hero begins kind of like 12 o'clock to three o'clock would be uh, that pre-order stage or the beginning. And then when he enters call to adventure and he enters into the special world, this would be that transformational space. And then if you look at the, the kind of nine to 12 part of the clock, when he's returning to the world, this is when he's he's returning to a world, but he's changed and yeah. the world is different or whatever. So you, it, this is a common motif. We have a we have a, a two a two part series on the hero's journey. Uh, we'll link that in the show notes at thefaradpodcast.com. And oftentimes, especially for uh, young men or young boys that were becoming men, there's a wound, right? Mm-hmm. Like what you're talking about is there needs to be some sort of death, and symbolically, sure. they actually will wound the children mm-hmm. to help facilitate this process. And so that middle stage, what you called liminal, um, liminal space or transformational space, a good way to imagine this is a caterpillar. I, I find that a really good image for this because you have a caterpillar. That's the early order. Yeah. And then the caterpillar goes into a chrysalis. That's the transformational space. And then it becomes a butterfly. Yeah. And last time I checked, we don't really know exactly what's going on in that chrysalis, but we do know the caterpillar is liquefying. Yeah. The structures are, are just disintegrating. Mm-hmm. And that's how it turns into a butterfly. It's fascinating. And I think that's a really good example of this, this middle space. And My favorite example of this is uh, t- becoming a mother. Because, you you know, you have kind of the death process starts when you get pregnant because you have to accept that you're, you're the death of the maiden. You're becoming, you're being initiated into motherhood. Then the liminal space, I guess pregnancy can be a, some part of it, but the actual liminal space is obviously birth where no one actually, like, we don't know what happens. But women share stories of feeling like they went to the underworld and came back with their babies. Like this kind of deep, deep a journey through the unknown and through the darkness and then coming back and then the postpartum period, which is the the 40 days or, I mean, any time after you give birth is postpartum, really. Uh, and, and that is the integration period. That is the moment where the community recognizes her as a mother. And that is like the one of the most important parts of the process. This is also what's replicated in a lot of shamanic practices, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, ayahuasca or, or if you go back to, if you if you're doing it in ceremony, which is really powerful. And once I learned how to do or work with psychedelics in ceremony, instead of just like, yeah. you know, popping them and going to a rave. <laughs> which is not, that but, sounds terrible. I've yeah. never done that and I would never do that. Maybe it's a crude version of the same thing. I yeah. think it, it, it is, but it's much more powerful when you start. When I went to Peru and I saw how how the shamanic, kind of, like how I was being led yeah. in, a, in a more 
shamanic tradition. By the way, stay tuned. We have an episode about Alistair's experience with ayahuasca coming yeah, that, in that, the next couple of weeks. That's exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> but once I learned that, it changed forever how I work with psychedelics. Mm-hmm. It became much more serious inner work, yeah. much more spiritual uh, work. And that doesn't mean there wasn't fun parts about it, but it, it changed forever the way I approach yeah. any of those kind of substances and plant medicines for, for the better. Uh, definitely, I've gotten a lot more out of it since since I was sort of modeled that. But so we have this middle space, transformational space, which you can also call sacred space. You can also call it chaos. Mm-hmm. This is chaos. It's chaos. And as a for as, anyone who's ever taken psychedelics, the dissolution of your ego, of any structure of what you understand and any meaning, that is what we're talking about. Yeah. Or if you've gone to a rave, it's it's two o'clock at a rave. Oh God. In the morning. Oh Jesus. Chaos. <laughs> no, chaos. Just chaos. absolute chaos. Yeah. Nothing means anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. And as a as as a healer or a shaman or a guide or and you know someone facilitating this kind of journey i think this is a really good and simple structure for thinking about what your role is mm-hmm. if you're facilitating transformation for other people i mean you're never responsible for it but if you're trying to facilitate a space where transformation can occur because transformation seems to have its own kind of autonomous pers- qualities like right. it's not something you can really force on anyone mm-hmm. they kind of have to be voluntary to that right like they're it's complicated but it seems like the best thing you can kind of do is hold that space mm. hold, like uh or one of the important things is holding this the space the sacred space and that's a way you can steward in in transformation so i've been thinking about this and i just think it's kind of interesting not that there's a lot we can do with this right like it's not gonna probably help you deal tomorrow yeah with whatever's going on but I find it interesting to look at from a global perspective here and maybe a more historical perspective or or like just a longer period of time. It's really scary. I'm scared. This doesn't help me get out of the scary part of it. But seeing this like, okay, well, there was certain order. Yeah. And we're now in kind of a stage of chaos and um, and psychologically and and, uh, situationally. Yeah. 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 We're lost to some degree. And I think that's what's scary about it is that, at some sense, we know this. Like we, I think this is what's really scary about the pandemic. It's not so much the numbers at this point, or like I think we're we're gonna get through this. Yeah. And and I think it it probably we're gonna get through this, but the 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 grief that is gonna come afterwards is probably gonna be very intense because I do I do think that. Uh, you know, there are people dying and they're real people. And sometimes it's, I see the numbers and I'm like, ah, you know, it's uh, whatever. But no, it's, it's real people who had families, who had people who loved them. And like, once this is over, there is going to be a grief period that we all need to uh, collectively do. But like something that I think scares me about that is, uh, is, we've lost the ability to do that as a collective. I feel like we're just so shitty in the Western cultures at grieving and allowing for death and processes to change. And this is exactly what you were saying, the archetypes of initiation, the transformation. We've lost a lot of that. And so I don't know if we've lost it because we don't want things to change in general, because we're so, you know, metastatic in our cultures and and we like to uh, control death 
to some extent, or or if it's because we've lost the or the the transformational space and the ability to do that that we have such a fear of of death in the general sense, in the spiritual sense. I think like, one aspect of it is that we've we've kind of lost touch with our elders in this area. They're not so much active in our in our lives, but yeah. there's probably a lot of theories for for why we lost it. Um, but yeah. it, it does seem to be the case that we have. But I think I think this is what you're sharing on this this whole like the transformation the chaos the this liminal space it is a helpful narrative too to remember and i see this in a lot of my circles this is a time of deep deep change and i think there are a lot of people who are just thinking this is going to go back to normal afterwards and god i hope not <laughs> I want. I don't want things to go back to normal. I want things to go back to a better way of being. A new normal. Yeah, a new normal, of course. And I, I don't know, it's interesting to tie this idea into other journeys that I've been on. And so I think of, for example, going back to ayahuasca, you know, one of the, what you're taught to do or told to do in ayahuasca is to the degree you can, resisting it makes it worse, right? <laughs> That's when you can have really hard experiences. And it's really... Part of the work of ayahuasca or, or any plant medicine or psychedelic to learn how to be with it mm-hmm. and let it happen and embrace it, right? Embrace that chaos, which can be really, really chaotic. Or surrendering to it, probably. I don't, I, because like I'm trying to imagine what would that mean to embrace it and uh, surrendering to it's probably a better, a better word for that. So, and, and also in Vipassana and meditation, right? If you go on a 10, one of these 10-day silent retreats, well, there you're taught to observe the sensations and, and not identify with them. But there's serious chaos in, in those retreats. And those retreats are beautiful spaces mm-hmm. to go into a, a period of chaos. Uh, and I think, you know, if you if you want to look for something transformational, this is the way I'd go about it, is look for, first off, who who's, has experience transforming. Yeah. Right? So go with people that have experience with this. And then, who, who's holding space for it? How well is the space held? I think that's a good way to look at Yeah. Because th- that's what's really important. If we don't feel safe, we're more likely to cling yeah. to things. For example, it's hard to know how to hold this space for something collective like this. So, um, <sighs> but, but in Vipassana, you have that same kind of mechanism at play, which is that there is a very beautifully held safe space for you to experience what's coming up and and observe it and get lost in it to some degree. Yeah. And uh and you come out of it a different person, or at least you come out of it, yeah, different, changed a little bit it, uh, to the degree that process works, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of us have been I think in that question of like, what can we do right now? This is also chaotic. What can we do? Well, I think this is a great question, and I think this is a, a great moment to actually sit and, and listen to the answers. I, I honestly have been noticing how, like, in, with an intensity that I didn't, it's not like I meditated on that question. It just came through me with with such a, an, um, it's so obvious that I cannot avoid it, is um, I feel like what I can do right now and what I need to be doing is resting which is super hard because it's so chaotic that I don't know if I should be like, I have work still. I have deadlines. Thank God. You know, like to some extent, it's a blessing that I can still work for myself in a, in a country that has its border closed. But it's also, 
uh, uncertain. Like, for instance, I'm, I'm, I'm a podcast producer. That's like my, the main part of my work. And a lot of, of my clients are not able to book interviews with guests right now because everyone is in that same craziness where they don't know what to do. So there is, there is a lot of that happening. And at the same time, I know I feel, I'm feeling really called to, okay, now is the time to get your act together and figure out how you rest and how do you, how do you cultivate rest in your life and and that's gonna I know that this is gonna help me for the rest of my life so this is something I'm feeling very called to and the second thing is community I have been wanting to be on the phone with people I've been wanting to lead circles thankfully on Saturday so a couple of days ago in the midst of all this chaos I had two women's circles planned they were already scheduled and they happened and they were beautiful. No one really had to mention the coronavirus. It's like we all knew this was happening and this was here, but we could also put that aside and just have a shared moment. On Sunday, I also joined a call on one of my communities that was purely about like support call around the coronavirus. And I think about 20 of us joined that call and we all shared our experiences. And for a minute when I joined, I was like, oh, this is going to be anxiety promoting. Like, why am I listening to everyone's fears and, and, and anxiety right now? It turned out to be so soothing to have a space where everyone could share and where I could share too. And everyone was listened to. And, you know, like at the end, I actually felt a lot more regulated, like nervously. My nervous yeah. system felt a lot more regulated than when I, when I joined. Yeah. And I'm feeling so called to doing this. And I think it really depends on where you're at. And, and, and for some of us, the what we need to do right now might be very different. Well, I think I think this idea of sacred space, or if I, I go back to the image of the caterpillar and the chrysalis, the caterpillar knows that he needs a, a safe space within which to disintegrate, right? And yes. so and that seems to be a pretty good clue or hint as to what's needed in these moments. I mean, I know it's in a way it's like, I know what's needed in these moments when I'm facilitating it in a more, in a work setting, you know, but it's almost hard to remember that for my, what I need in these moments, which is, I think you're right. It's like space, right. And in all aspects of it, it's like, okay, how can we hold space for others to process this and, and for us to process it with others? And how can I take care of my space, my body? And, and how can we kind of manage these spaces and i think part of this is also informational space right like how like not not just having a main line into like every update for every death and every country closing its borders and stuff say okay yes we need to be informed it's important but how do we how do we kind of tend to our psychological space as well and 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 how do we continue to take care of ourselves um because we don't exactly know what's going to happen and we're going to have to like navigate this all together but I think maybe for me, what I'm getting out of exploring this with you is that, you know, there's two temptations that I've found over the last few days, particularly in this kind of heightened state of stress. And it's just in the body. It's oh, like, I can't. It's so hard. It's just there. You wake up with it. And, and I, I'm just like, I can't work very well. And I can't. I try to I do the things I can. I have black circles under my eyes like I haven't had in a long time. Yeah. And so it's just kind of there, this general state. Of, of disease yeah. and I've noticed like two strong temptations one is to just gorge on on information mm-hmm. and and kind of catastrophize uh, and basically try to control what's uncontrollable yeah. 
right? Like, how can I try to control what's uncontrollable? And you know, maybe it's in my mind and trying to, like, mm-hmm. contingency plans for everything. And yeah. then everything changes the next day. Yes. And then, so there's that side. And then on the other side, it's distraction. Mm-hmm. And, like, just diving into, like, I don't know, a season on Netflix or whatever. And yeah. just ignoring what's happened. Or, like, or even, you know, I was just joking with you this morning. It's like, it'd be great to get a 30-pack of beer <laughs> And uh, go play beer pong on the front lawn and just say, you know, screw it. Like, let's yeah. just have let's just have a party. Yeah. Which is how I would have dealt with this ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so so there's these two sides of like like over focused attention and yeah. and this urge to control. I think which is underneath it, and then on this other side is escape and distraction. Yeah. And I tend to think both are not very healthy. Of course, of course, in in moderate doses, okay, but. And I try to find that middle road, really, of like, okay, well, here's the situation. What can I do right now, given the fact that, for example, there's a lack of attention, right? Everyone's kind of in their own worlds. Everyone's dealing with this differently. And like, what am I able to do right now? What can I do? Maybe it's, you know, as easy as go for a run. And and also kind of accepting that I can't do as much right now. It's hard. I don't even know exactly what I should be doing on a work front or just... In life, it's a little confusing. Yeah, no, that's the most confusing part. And some things, I I love what you said about the news and the the temptation to be just plugged in. And there is something I noticed, and maybe it's not so much today, but in the last couple of days, nothing really had hit Guatemala. Like life really felt like it went on as normal. Today, we've gotten a few messages from our landlady. There's a few things that now we need to be aware of in our physical space. But for the last few days, the world seemed to be like getting into high high alert and everything. But our realities, I come out of my of my house and the lake is still here. And I hear the tuk-tuks driving to the market and I hear people laughing in the street and, and, and like bouncing basketballs on their way to the court. So it just feels like normal. And at the same time, I notice the difference. I'm on my phone for 40 minutes or something just checking uh, messages, Instagram, and, and, and getting... I, I haven't watched the news in five years. I try not to very hard. And I've always said, if something really important needs to be said to me or needs to reach me, it will. And I will just say, it has. So thank you, my system works. Anyways, uh, this is one way I tend to my mental sanity. I'm not saying everyone should do that, but I noticed the difference. I will go into my phone, like in this little world, in this little screen for 40 minutes, and then, and then I will get like more and more tense. I will get into a different space. My head will be in France with my family or in the U.S. with my other family. And and then I look up, I put my phone down. I look up and it's like, oh, wow, no, nothing has changed here. Like the, the, the flowers are the same and the, the grass looks the same. And it's such a, a, a mind bender to have to hold these different realities for 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 me and for other people and that is one of the things that I think has been the hardest for me is and that is why my brain kind of went like where can we go to be sh- safe and, sh- and sheltered I feel safe and sheltered here but I, there's a lack of community we're really isolated and I cannot just like you know, check in on my mom because she le- she lives in the same building as me. Or there's a there is a sense of wow, I'm really far away from the people I love, and I'm not necessarily afraid. 
it's not like it's consciously afraid. It's just I notice my body, my biology wants to be with those that I love to check in on them, which is why I'm spending this time in this alternate reality on my phone to try to connect. And so it's this balance of how much am I grounding myself in my actual physical reality, because that is important for me to tend to my nervous system. And how much do I also engage with this virtual realm where it to some extent my family lives <laughs> yeah it, it's it's difficult on this kind of topic of okay well what can i do right now one of the things we're doing at ripple Out retreats is hosting online meetups to kind of we figure that's one thing we can do yeah. so we're leading a meditation and then we're kind of talking and processing about what's Calling going it, on. navigating this together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So by the time this comes out, we'll have done that two times on Wednesday and Saturday, and we'll probably continue to do it. So if that, if you'd like to be in, included in um, in those virtual uh, gatherings, just reach out to us. Yeah, you can reach out to us on Instagram at The Far Out Couple. We also have our email, which is uh, hosts at thefaroutcouple.com. Host. Ah, host. At host thefaroutpodcast.com. And uh, you can also follow Ripple Out on Instagram at Ripple Out Retreats. This is where most of the information is. I've been having a really hard time just being active on Instagram and sharing anything. It just feels like, what? You know, like that's the best way I can describe it. It's like, there's no attention for anything right now. I, I I don't I I don't want to share about the coronavirus because I don't know anything. But at the same time, I feel like anything else I will share would be uh, irrelevant. A, yeah, yeah. There's um kind of steering near the end of of this. Yeah. There's an interesting idea in uh, phenomenology that I think is is kind of worth exploring for where we're at right now, mm-hmm. which is. Basically, the idea is this. It's like that what we perceive, we don't perceive objects in the world and then derive meaning from the objects. Yeah. Like, I think for a lot of us, that's what we assume happens. It's like you see things and then... And then, then you create, and then you create meaning yeah, or you create or, meaning after. Yeah, then you derive some sort of meaning from it. The phenomenologists would actually argue it's the opposite. That before you see anything else, like you see meaning mm-hmm. and then... Objects are secondary to that, but yeah. actually our, our brains and our, our bodies are designed to see meaning first, to see how to survive mm-hmm. the world before the actually seeing quote unquote reality or, or the objects behind that. Yes. I find this a very interesting idea. Maybe give an example because that will make it. Even yeah. More yeah. So I'll give two, vivid. I'll give, I'll give two examples. Yeah. One example would be, uh, let's say you're a pre-med student or you're a wannabe pre-med student and you just took the MCAT and you get an envelope in the mail that you know has your t- results, right? Yeah. Well, you're, you're like shaking yeah. when you see this thing, right? Like it's not just an envelope mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's basically a portal, right? It's a gateway. Inside that envelope, a couple of things are going to happen. The envelope is going to kind of reframe your past like were you a wannabe med student or were you a failure Uh, you know what i mean like uh, so there's that aspect of it is it's actually going to change your past in some ways Mm -hmm. and then it's a gateway into different possible futures are you going to med school or are you not going to med school right so like i I remember when i got my high school kind of acceptance letter because i was i applied to a private school and i really wanted to go and i remember this yeah Yeah. i remember how it felt it's like it's 
It's a terrifying feeling when you get something in the mail that you know has meaning. And it's funny because if you actually remove the meaning and just look at it as an object, it's a piece of paper. Yeah. But we know at some level that it's not. It's a gateway into a different world. Yes. It's a portal of sorts. Another example of this on that kind of level would be the Twin Towers falling, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I think we're in a similar situation right now with the pandemic. It's like, okay, the pandemic's happening, but what does that mean? Yeah, it's and, like the idea with the Twin Towers is when the Twin Towers are standing, we know the meaning. It's, it's, it, the meaning is clear. The Twin Towers are standing. And then the next minute, they're not. And then what's happening and what creates this state of chaos is that there's no meaning. We cannot derive meaning instantly from what's happening. But, or it's very f- terrifying meaning. Yeah, can, I would say that you can derive meaning, but the meaning is like it's hard to explain at that yeah, moment. Yeah. It's it could mean a lot of things. It could mean like, you know, you're going to war, it yeah. could mean like the economy is gonna collapse, right? And we're seeing that here we're with the pandemic that. and the stock markets. Like like I think on one level there's the actual pandemic and the economic crisis that seems to be developing from it. But then underneath that, I think there's just a there's a sense of like this is a portal. This is a gateway. The world is not going to be the same as it was before. We're in this kind of uh, chaotic middle space yeah. where the rules of the new game have not been defined and we don't know what they are. And that's a really terrifying place because we don't really know where we are. Mm-hmm. And that's how I I that's how I think I feel right now. It's like, it's not so much the pandemic that terrifies me. It's like, I don't know where we are right now. Yeah, for me, it's that uncertainty. I caught myself the other day just being like, okay, Alistair, let's sit down. Let's talk about the way we're living our life and making sure that we get immune and like bulletproof to these kind of events. So maybe the solution would be get a farm, have animals, you know, raise our own animals and harvest them and do our, have three or four freezers and like have, be self-reliant because the system's going to collapse. And then soon there will be no toilet paper and no food, you know, like that kind of, but it's not. And my answer always to this is, uh, well, you better get a bunch of guns too. Cause yeah, it, the well, chaos well, to, which, really... to which I mean, I'm, why not? But I don't, I don't know. It's just, this is what happens in this liminal space and this uncertainty. And I think as much as my brain wants to make decisions and wants to like, okay, correct course, figure out the way to be immune to this in the future and not immune to the virus, immune to these kind of crises and what they might mean. Because I don't know, it's hard not to look even further down the line and be like, is this this kind of like are we at this stage where the whole thing collapses? Are we where, you know, governments collapse? Are we at the point where money doesn't make, like, just, it's hard not to consider that as an option. I'm not saying like, I'm thinking about it. I'm not in doomsday but scenario. We're, but we are time. in a general state where like, the information is not clear what this means. Yes. And and so, so it's it's a fraction of the possibility. And, 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 and the world we expected to be there has changed and we don't know what it's changed to. Yes. And we, but this is exactly what happens, I think, in a psychedelic experience or in these or other spiritual experiences is you're in that space, something happens or like you, you go on an ayahuasca journey and the world changes yes. and you don't know what it means. Yeah. It, like that's for later yeah. to kind of figure it out. At that moment, what can you do? It's yeah. Well, you 
kind of have to be with it. And to the best you can, surrender to it, the fact that things are changing and not cling to the the kind of old order, yeah. which causes a lot of suffering, right? That, that's the whole Buddhist <laughs> principle is that clinging, uh, craving, and aversion uh, leads to suffering. Yeah. And uh, the way out is is to stop craving and, and to stop um, trying to, to avoid situations. But and And there's a real experience of that in the psychedelic journey too if you if you do that is that if you don't like where you're at and you keep trying to avoid that that's the best way to to, to make it really hard on yourself yeah this is of course easy to talk about but i'm struggling to do this on a on a minute to minute basis right now <laughs> but it is yeah. comforting for me to think about these things as like to get some perspective of, and of this those. narrative, to some extent, helps create the bigger container that I think we together, you and I, need uh, to read this this time in our life. And it, it, it doesn't have to match what you, the listener, what you listening to us needs. But I think it's it's helpful to think, okay, what what can hold this? What can create the space for me to be in this moment that is uncertain? And, and, and what do I need to do or not do? Because I think when I think, what do I need to do? And the two answers that come through very clearly for me, almost as if someone else is telling me this, is rest and community. I don't know, does rest fall under something you have to do? I think it, it, it can, but asking that question and listening to the answers and then acting on that might alleviate some of the feelings of chaos, but also help you be in the chaos. And one other theme that comes up here is attention, uh, because this is a, I, I think these, this is one of the things that is, you know, if you're lost in the wilderness, for example, which is a, certain, a similar kind of chaos, yeah. right? You need your attention to kind of navigate through it. That's probably your best asset at that moment mm -hmm. to be able to respond to unknown circumstances and things that are constantly changing, right? And you have to have this kind of, you really need to have your attention there. It's when you're not paying attention, that's you're, you're most likely to die or walk off a cliff or something like yeah. that. I think, I think that's fairly true in, in any situation of, of chaos and crisis is attention is a really important part of it. And when we're talking about being and surrendering, I think it's also, it's also being willing to bring our attention to what, what it is at the moment and, and what we're feeling and, and the changes that are occurring uh, and being able to be in the moment, right? And, and a lot of the temptations for me is to kind of misuse my attention to avoid being in the moment, right? That's what I, because it's painful to be in this moment right now. It's painful. I don't know Like, there's a lot of things I don't know around my personal life, around the people I love, yeah. around the, the the world and all these things. It's it's really painful to be with that. But it's probably also my best way for really being with that and finding ways and, and creating space for myself to really be with that. It's probably the best way for me personally to navigate it. One last thing I'll say on that, and, and obviously this is just my experience, but I, as I said, I have found community and gathering and and talking about this so helpful so so helpful and not in a way where it gives me answers just in a way where for a minute it gives me some relief from that tension that I'm feeling in my body and if you're feeling that too I encourage you even if it's with a friend just get on the call talk about it because as we're nearing this this almost hour of conversation together I realize 
that sitting down, you and I, to talk about this with the intention of sharing it with other people, I'm already feeling better. I'm getting some relief. And it's different than when we talk about it, you know, outside at breakfast or, or, you know, at different points during the day. There is a bigger container. So if you have people, you can just join three people, two people, whatever. And just, if you don't reach out to us because we're hosting yes. these kind of meetups at this point weekly. If you feel called to, to just having a space with other people to just be with this uh this is a great place to and do bring so. our attention to it yeah thank you for listening thank you yeah it's it's a weird time and i keep thinking like you're gonna hear this a week from now what will this look like will we sound like stupid people because everything will be resolved will we sound like we didn't worry enough because everything's gotten worse i don't know i feel like there's, under- the future. there's an underlying element to this though which is what do you do when the, you have these psychological shock waves yes. that come through right like when you're dealing with these kind of these ripples of or when you're when you're in a in chaos and I I think actually this is the best time for us to record this because this just happened for us I think over the last four days it really got serious Mm -hmm. to us and and that happens for different people at different times yeah 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 but it's like how do you deal with that we definitely couldn't record anything else today like we tried and it just makes no sense I think we the biggest thing I want to say right now is whatever the situation is when you do listen to this, I hope that you're hanging in there and, and that you're, you're you know, taking care of yourself. Yeah, take care of yourself. Stay safe. Stay, stay positive and, and do what you can uh, to, to take care of others. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. Well, you know, you know the way to support this podcast by now, but just in case you don't, we will tell you anyways we're uh we're on patreon so if you'd like to support this podcast financially you can mm-hmm. the lowest level is three dollars a month you get an insane amount of goodies for that yep. we update regularly with bonus material from from uh, people we interview and from topics that we have more to say on yeah surprise surprise we always that have, we'd more, have to more to say <laughs> on a topic shocker um, uh you can head over to patreon.com slash the far out couple yeah and the other ways that help immensely. So thank you to everyone who's already done this. Yes. The one is share this episode oh, with yeah. a friend. Start a conversation with someone. That's yeah. a great way. Or share it on Instagram on your stories. That always makes uh, our life just you know blow up in 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 fireworks. So at the far out couple, we're on Instagram. We'll tag you if you tag us. And, and the last thing is leave a review. Uh, we love to read what you think of the show in your own words it's beautiful it's uh, about as close to a spiritual experience as we have here on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah it's a lot of fun and it helps the podcast uh, helps us grow yeah so until next time thank you for being here toodles toodles toodles